Core. Core. You are listening to Core, a show on Code Zero Radio that plays bands located in the Fox Cities. A show to find and discover new music. Hosted by Andy McNamara. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Fox City's Core on WCZR Code Zero Radio. I'm your host, Andy McNamara. If this is your first time tuning in, Fox City's Core is a live streaming internet show. We also broadcast to WCZR Code Zero Radio. If you do have a question during the show, you can give us a call at 920-358-0795. My next guests formed a band over a decade ago in Perkiumonville. I probably butchered that. We'll talk about that later. That's pretty close. That's pretty close. Pennsylvania. Yeah. Uh, their latest album titled The Album was released last year. I'd like to welcome Dee and James from Chestnut Grove to Fox City's Core. How are you guys doing today? Great. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, we're doing awesome. I know you've had a lot going on while you're in town. You did a show at McFleshman's on Thursday. And that was kind of a, a unique show, wasn't it? You did uh, songs from like Led Zeppelin and the, the White Stripes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was actually our first time uh, getting to play cover songs in Appleton because we're usually here for Mile of Music, so that's strictly original. Which is also ironic that we were even excited about it because normally it's like, <laughs> oh god, we got to do cover yeah. shows because we do cover shows back at home. We've we've been a band it for was... over a decade now, like you said. So we've been doing cover shows at home for years. We. You know, so we don't overbill as Chestnut Grove. We'll kind of pick up bar shows and stuff like that and do like a Zeppelin tribute or a Bowie tribute or something. And we were struggling to, we played in Grand Rapids on our way here on Wednesday, but we were struggling to fill out our Thursday and Friday around our Saturday Appleton Beer Factory show. So I hit up Jess um, from McFleshman's and had asked her if we could do some sort of tribute show, kind of pop-up show, like last minute, kind of tagged along with our thing since we're in town and we don't have much else going on. And she loved the idea, so we ended up making it work out. But uh, it pretty much came from the fact that we were just starving for another show and we didn't want to double bill us as Chestnut Grove in town. <laughs> so it's just a good way to kind of trick everybody into it. <laughs> How was the, the reception to, to doing covers when you're used to playing, you know, the originals in front of people? Were they pretty receptive to it? I, th- I think they were... Yeah. I was nobody left. I, shout out, shout out to the Chestnut Grove fans in Appleton for showing out and showing up. I mean, yeah. it was really, it was a rainy Thursday, and there was a lot of people there, so we were really happy to just have people back out at our shows again after a rough two years. Is it hard to explain to people back home like what the the vibe is like in Appleton? And is it to to you? Is it a lot different than some of the other places you've played? It's definitely a lot different than everywhere we've played um it's weird because i feel like every time i describe it to people i'm like uh i feel like appleton is just so homey and everybody's inviting and really nice and receptive here and they're actually interested in what's going on so they're you guys are very involved in your music community the, the first time that you're in appleton was it was it mile music yeah yeah the uh shout out to wild adriatic for hooking all that up for us and making us good friends with ian and jess um made it easy for us to create a following here and create a community for chestnut grove in appleton and uh this is our first time actually in town not for a mile event so it's very different uh back to what you had asked originally um 
first off, it's hard to explain Appleton because your yeah. vibe is a little different. It's, and then yeah. second off, it's just impossible to explain Mile of Music. Like, I'm like, you just have to go. As a fan, if you're just a fan coming to watch music, it's probably one of the best festivals in the country to go to. Um, for bands, it's undeniably the best fest in the country to go to. Um, just the hospitality to start is perfect. The fact that you can come here for your first time like we did in, what was it, 2018? Mm-hmm. And immediately by your third show of the weekend like thursday no one's at your set uh friday a bunch of people are for some reason at your set and then by saturday you're like what's going on here this is amazing <laughs> i feel like a rock star in appleton <laughs> i think one of the cool parts about it you tell me if i'm wrong as well is that you're not playing one place traveling hours and then playing again and traveling again you're kind of in one spot playing different venues and getting kind of a chance to explore and, and experience different venues as an artist and, and without all the, the traveling and mile really does make it easy for yeah, the artist. It's the greatest mini tour of all it's, time. Yeah. It's incredible. <laughs> Do you normally sell a lot of merch at mile of music every year? It's our it, biggest, the most, uh, yeah, I'll, it's I'll her speak, biggest sale. I'll speak for D. She said, we have to have merch before we go to Appleton. <laughs> yes. We'll sell it all. I'll be able to buy our new EPs. <laughs> so. and, and well, we're going to get into the, the latest album, the album, but if I could have you walk me through your first, memories of arriving in appleton like what Ooh. what places did you go to i mean you must have heard about it it was super already duper, from... super duper late it was really late and honestly we immediately got the appleton uh what's the right word uh i guess the appleton arrival i don't know uh immediately we showed up at the hotel we checked in it was about 11 30 at night i kind of recall and i do not remember the two bartenders names i've only ever seen them at mile one other time um, but I specifically recall they asked if we were in one of the bands. We said yes. And they were like, oh, are you excited for it? And we're like, this is our first time. We like don't know what to expect. They're like, it's going to be amazing. <laughs> and then they proceeded to give us a free meal and a bunch of free drinks and kind of hooked us up right away. So immediately we got that Appleton hospitality. That was the word I was looking for. Yeah. That you guys are so well known for. And we hadn't even played a note of music here. We didn't like convince these people we were any good. We could have been totally lying. Yeah, oh, 100%. <laughs> but and immediately we were just you know, humbled right off the bat. And that's kind of continually been the experience, even though we've grown a nice fan base here, like the whole experience is just extremely humbling. But I think uh, it's like awesome because Mile <clears throat> brings in artists that are really good. Like everyone on the billing is really good. Oh, and yeah. if you like any kind of music, you're going to find somebody that you're going to just fall in love with. Oh yeah, the first year was also just intimidating. We were like, we got to go home and practice. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> so did... um. Being in Appleton, when you when you got home, was there any thoughts like, hey, maybe we should just move there? Um, we <laughs> joke about it enough. Yeah, uh, for sure. It for, is a second home. It does for me, feel that way. Uh, traveling is kind of our home, so I don't really think about where we end up fully located. We do have like a lot of bases at home. Like I just bought a house back where we live in Pennsylvania, and like there's just it's hard. It's hard to move. Like, as, as much as we'd want to. I think if we ever moved to, we would unfortunately probably move further south just because we already come from a place where it's also cold. Yeah. So I'm not going to move somewhere else where it's that cold half the year. Yeah. Let's talk a, a little bit about how Chestnut Grove got started. You guys met in high school, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. a even, decade even ago. Even earlier, all of us actually, we've talked about this, we have went to the same school together since seventh grade. Um, John, John and I have actually played in a band together since seventh grade. Um, so I was 13 when I started this crazy musical journey that I still find myself on. <laughs> um, and then by senior year of high school, Dee was in a band with John and I, and 
to make it not the longest story in the world because I don't think we have four and a half hours for me <laughs> to tell the whole Chestnut Grove story today. But uh, it's been a wild ride. It's been quite an experience being like literally growing up together. Like we are closer to being siblings than we are band members. Yeah, so. that's for sure. <laughs> have you had any kind of personnel change since the band really? Very early on, yeah. um, uh, we had a member for two weeks who tragically passed away in a car accident named Matt Barber. Um, when we were very young, we, we weren't even called Chestnut Grove yet. The name is actually from a bass player who left the band also like right after senior year of high school. Um, Sean Murray, he named the band after the road that Matt had passed away on. And everybody kind of in our high school like gravitated around this for like a couple years. And then as time went on, we had like the two personnel changes. We added Gary to the band and then Zach became our bass player by like 2012. So it was right after high school, like it all happened fast. And um, I asked Sean Murray personally, like in about 2013, should we keep the name or change the name? He said he's going to ask Matt's mom. And Matt said she loves the fact that there's a tribute to her son still traveling around and That's doing cool. this thing. So uh, RIP to Matt and everything, you know, it, it, it's been a long time. Uh, I never forget that that's where it comes from, though. And so that's kind of like the story about the name and the origins. And we it wasn't really a member personnel change as much as it was just like a bunch of young kids discovering themselves playing music together. And we had a few exchanges of friends that joined the band and stuff like that, but out of pure necessity. Were you playing, like when, when you got together, I'm guessing you were playing cover songs or were you writing right off the bat? We were pretty much writing. I always right was writing. I, yeah. I actually... Uh, my dad and I have talked about this my whole life and he's always said to like his friends they're like well do they play covers and he goes no like they want to make their own music like right away I didn't even know how to play other people's songs so I just made my own thing up that was the first step into doing that but uh I feel at this point in my life like I don't know if it was natural or like kind of like I put it into existence because I thought it just made more sense but I I feel like I wanted to play music just because I wanted to write songs. I didn't really want to learn other people's songs at first. I was more just like gravitated towards the idea of like writing something for ourselves. Do you have any any music you still play that are songs that you wrote right at the beginning? Um, uh, Neighbors for Now, I was writing the guitar part and it was the only thing I could do when I picked up a guitar yeah. for such a long time. I would just play this little lick that I had that did turn into Neighbors for Now. Like it probably not as close to the same thing as I actually think it was, but it, it, I do remember <laughs> playing that little lick for all of that time. And there's a lot of things. Like there's uh, the chorus in Don't Mind a Thing um, off of the album, our last record. So that's like the most recent recordings we've done. And I do know the chorus was something I wrote in used not to be in just, another song. It yeah. was literally just something that we used to goof around with and like ninth grade yeah i think i've had the chorus floating around since ninth grade and ended up working with other things so not full songs i don't think there's anything we're like really doing from the early days that we like <clears throat> we still do a couple songs from perky omaville that's I, about it i would like, totally revisit a couple songs just out of sheer curiosity to know what they would sound like yeah no now that we're songs, older like i feel your pain man or old hidden road <laughs> yeah that would be yeah. a good one well, you brought up your uh, the first LP, uh, Perky Moville. I know Perky, I'm... Perky Omenville, which you're saying it so well. Uh, yeah. That's, our that's friends... where you're from, right? Is that the name yeah, of the yeah, city? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not a city. It's a small farm town <laughs> about an hour west of Philadelphia. Um, we all went to Boyertown Senior High School, so that's the closest town or city. <laughs> 
Um, I guess if you want to call it that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but no, it's just a small, a little town about an hour west of Philadelphia. So we lie and say we're from Philly because it's just a lot easier to <laughs> yeah. explain. Because nobody's going to know where Parky Omanville is. Outside of Parky Omanville. Yeah. <laughs> That's just for me really hard to say. That's fine. You say it really well. Yeah, we, no, that's the, the be- best. The I've best heard, we yeah. ever heard was uh, the drummer from the Outside Voices said, "Where are you guys from? Pokemonville." Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that LP, you guys recorded it yourselves, yes. or there was some there was, kind of self-recording going on there. We had uh, our friend Owen McGreen from uh, Viking Sound Production. He kind of came moved in. Moved into my parents' yeah, house. Yeah, he kind of came in and summer. moved in. Oh. Yeah, I I just had started like. Uh, you know, living with my girlfriend at the time, and uh, my room was open, so I had just met Owen at a music festival that we were playing at, and I asked my parents if this complete stranger that I just have only known for about two weeks, it all worked out well. We're still really good friends now. Um, he was a fantastic house guest. Everything went really well. But, uh, yeah, we spent two straight months in still our practice space, which is my parents' barn. Yeah, he had a portable uh, recording system. July through September, we pretty much yeah. lived together and recorded nonstop. And that was the first time we ever really even learned what we were really doing. Because you, you do the first time you get into a studio, you're like, wow, we really stink at this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you definitely hear it in a different way than you've ever heard it because it's all directly what you're doing. You're like, that, is that what I'm doing? God, that sounds like trash. <laughs> but but no, uh, it, it ended up working out well. Owen really pulled the best out of us and taught us all kind of how to interact and act as a band, and we've continued to grow since then. Yeah, we also recorded that during the Philadelphia Folk Fest that was going on, and so we were, like, hopping back and forth between being at a festival and, like, recording guitar parts and vocal tracks. Oh, and yeah. It was just, it was like a chaotic time, but it... I don't know. Oh, I lost my job during that time. Yeah. One of the many I've lost because of this band. It's not, you know, I've lost a lot of jobs <laughs> That's because a, of this band. It's but, a sacrifice yeah. it requires. <laughs> so around that time, were you doing any touring or were you just playing around, around just your home local. area? A lot of bars. Just local. Yeah. A lot of bars, really building a thing up. Playing a lot of covers mixed in with our originals just to keep people interested. Yeah, um, learning how to play live, pretty much. Yeah, so we... We started writing right away, like we said, in high school, but it took us, we, we had a couple EPs in between that too. There's an Oldton Road EP that we came out with. There's a Outside the Show EP, and none of them are really online anymore. A lot of those songs got recycled and put on Perky Omaville, so we just scrapped it all and kind of stuck with that record. So the non-recyclables are the ones that are still there, like Let It Down and Black Champagne? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah we decided, well, they they were post-Perky Omaville. So Perky Omaville was 2015, and then I'm pretty sure Let It Down was 2017. And then Black Champagne was our 2018. That was the first thing that came out when we came to Mile. But we still were playing mostly, like, Let It Down EP. Like, we played a lot of Black Champagne. But I think people were more interested in the stuff. Our biggest song is off of Let It Down. Still. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so. It's It's been a good time. So your latest album is called The Album. And you went into a studio to record that one, which... Oh. Yeah, and we've done studio stuff before. Like uh, the Let It Down EP and the Black Champagne EP were both like studio done records. But this, uh, the album was the first time we actually like used the click track for the whole record and really cut our teeth as like studio musicians. Before and we were like just like a live a, rowdy show. Yeah, and we had a producer able to like 
take us aside and like listen to it from an outside perspective and give his input and like kind of pushed us in a direction that we wanted to go but didn't really know how to get there and he was the first person i feel like we all worked with where we were going into it knowing that derek chafin is his name and we just knew that like there was this confidence that we had in him from right off the bat like after the first two meetings d and i had with him there was just a connection that we had and we just trusted him right off the bat and he yeah. did push us to do things that were like sometimes uncomfortable yeah, yeah. and good, we were like oh we got to change this song that we've had for six years that people <laughs> love why would we change it and he you know you learn that that's like that is the right way to do things and it is the right way to grow your music in a really good direction to be pushed and challenged by a great producer as a, a collective band do you get along pretty good as far as no we hate each other yeah. <laughs> so sick of this dude <laughs> as far as like making changes to a song like james if you wrote a song and, and he had some changes do you are you receptive to to the the criticism or you know, do you kind of stick to what you I'll originally answer immediately i think we full-blown encourage each other to put push the song in a different yeah. direction uh, on if you the have new, an idea on the new on the newest mm -hmm. thing we were making zach and i wrote a lot of the new ep right off the bat but Dee and John and Gary have elevated what we had from the beginning to the point where all my vocal parts have become the secondary vocal parts. And she has all these hooks that she wrote on top of it. And instead of being like, well, these were kind of my songs, I was like, these are killer now. Like, so <laughs> like wow, this just, is something I never knew would that's all happen. We were really, that's all we're always looking for. Yeah. We, we have a good camaraderie as a group. Um, we trust each other more than we even trust ourselves, honestly. Like, I like if we do something, I'm like, and Dee's... Like I'm back at the drums and we're working a riff out. I'm like, does that all sound? Is my arrangement making any sense to a listener? Yeah. <laughs> like, You're like, is that actually what should be happening? Or <clears throat> no, we're like really good at. At this point, we're really good at communicating with each other. Yeah, we weren't always the best at it. No. I I used to yell too much. I still do, but <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot better now. Do you guys like writing lyrics? Yeah. Love writing lyrics. I think I, lyrics have become. They've always been the driving force to what we're making musically. Um, which is why a lot of our music is like a little bit eclectic. Sometimes it can be heavy and riffy. Sometimes it can be more Americana and rootsy. And nowadays, now the newer stuff that we don't have out yet, but it's pushing more of like a dance kind of element of things. And it almost always comes from the fact that we're like thinking about like the lyrical direction that we're going in and like what kind of genre we want to tackle this time. And I think it's just always important to make sure like the, the vocals and your lyrics I mean, not all the time. There's a lot of different kinds of music to be made. But uh, we're trying our best to be like an alternative, relevant pop rock and roll band or whatever that is nowadays. But uh, <laughs> I think the cool thing about our lyrics is that a lot of them start out as like a personal thing, but they're relevant to a lot of other situations. Like somebody could listen to it and think of something different, but like it happened to you specifically. And like, I don't know, sometimes when you write lyrics... It just ends up almost being like futuristic and storytelling in a way that you didn't realize until you were able to look back at the situation and be like, oh, actually, that was what was happening at the time. And like, this is now where we are. And a lot of people can relate to a lot of different things. Yeah. And to add to that, um, I earlier on, I just wrote songs and never really thought about it. But now I, I do write a lot of like folk songs, like with like more storyboards and they're more straight to the point and I've kind of removed that from like the chestnut grove land of writing because I like to be I know what my songs are about I know what they mean to me and the lyrics personally mean but I try my best to be like vague and universal mm -hmm. in a sense so that way the lyrics become something everybody can grab onto and then that way it is easy for like 
us to collaborate on putting lyrics together. Like it's like, okay, you may have not been saying the exact same thing as I am, but with the lyrics meant at the end of the day, she's still understanding. Yeah. And we're able to collaborate very well on that. And we're not the only ones that even write it. John wrote I Know Somebody on the last album. Gary is always influential to everything. And Zach on this newest thing that we're gonna release that we'll have out by mile. Um <clears throat> It's very bass driven, so it's not even a lyrical sense, but even his bass parts are lyrical in a sense. They're very uh, melodic and like they become a lot of the melody that the lyrics are driving behind. So it's just like it's going to be I can't wait. It's going to be like a whole new <laughs> We're animal. super excited yeah. for the new our new material to come out. We we we've loved everything that we've made previously, but I always feel like we were tapping into bands we liked mm -hmm. and sounding like bands we liked. And this time I feel like we're kind of pushing into our own sound and kind of finding our own thing. Hopefully I'm not wrong. <laughs> I mean, there's definitely things that I know are heavily influential in the sounds that are going to be coming out, but I don't know. It's just, just like there's a there's a vibe behind it that we haven't put we're out excited. before. Can't wait to come back for Mile and do all of it. Who are some of the bands that influenced you early on, and it, have those influences changed over time? Or no, we played the White Stripes and Zeppelin on Thursday. <laughs> yeah, still kicking it. Um, it's like always changing. They've changed. Yeah. Uh, this newest album, to even though I just said it sounds more like us and is original, I never was that into like the Talking Heads or like the Pretenders or the Clash. Like that was not my style. I wasn't like an '80s, late '70s, like new wave kind of person. And somehow over the pandemic, that became like my favorite style of music. I don't know what happened, but uh, like you just needed like a guiding light to just like <laughs> keep you sane in some sense. And I think just I just like, you some, know what? I need I something think different. I just needed something to get <laughs> yeah. me away from Zeppelin. <laughs> um, but too. uh. There's a ton of influences. I mean, specifically the Philadelphia Folk Fest, which we've already brought up. We grew up five minutes from it. It's a legendary thing. We've seen Arlo Guthrie, Levon Helm, uh, Taj Mahal, and countless other like legendary blues musicians and folk musicians that crafted... We are trying to push the boundaries and be more of a modern-sounding band in a sense, but it's what keeps us rooted in the fact that we like know where rock and roll comes from, and we want to continue to at least pay tribute or at least make it obvious that it's like we love all these eras of rock and roll and all these eras of folk music yeah. and all sorts of different genres like we're not limiting ourselves to being like we're a rock band or an r&b band or something like that <clears throat> there's reasons why things were good and like yeah we're just trying to keep using those things that were good and keep them relevant yeah over the past two years our biggest influences i think even as an entire band are more soul music driven r&b driven and like new wave kind of like dancey things which is very sure. different from what people have previously heard from us we're um, all over the place you guys play with a lot of energy which is I mean, it really yeah, does D, enhance the, the whole music. band has energy. I think D also plays with the same amount of energy as all four of us in one person. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. As far as the rest of the scene in Pennsylvania, are there? I mean, is there a strong music scene in Pennsylvania, uh, and what's what's the genre predominantly where you're from? So in Philadelphia, there is definitely a great music scene. Um, there's a lot of independent bands that, you know do well but i think in philly there's so much competition and so mu just so much of everything so many places to go the city itself is so big so in philly there's not as much camaraderie as there's in like central pa there's like the yeah. central pa jam scene and it's a lot of like psychedelic kind of rock sounds we kind of fit into that we kind of don't I, you know um it is a little more psychedelic jam driven 
and you know the the northeast in general i don't think had like when we've noticed when we went down south and like played in the midwest that even the bands were like paired with or anything like it all just seems to make a little more sense than what we play with at home but uh you know medusa's disco is a band we actually just played their album release party they're from uh harrisburg and we're kind of of the same vein we're both just like in your face rock and roll bands and we've created kind of a little scene together like every time we get together for shows it's a you know, they, all the tickets sell well, and it's a high energy party. And it's a high energy party. They're they're as high energy as we can be. So, and as far as how to learn about music in the local Philadelphia scene, is there? I mean, besides going to shows, are there some stations there that play it? Eighty-eight point five XPN, which took us ten long hard years to get attention from them, but they finally do love us now. So, <laughs> you know, which feels really which good. feels really good. Um, and then outside of that, not. As, like I said, there's so much of everything there that it's almost like the way like a lot of people have like this station. It's like, like oversaturated. Here. But it's just a little yeah. oversaturated. It's hard to like find stuff, avenues that are actually going to get to people or like if that's the outlet that like people are actually getting music from. So it's a little hard to like find your way in such a big market like that. So that's why we love Appleton. It's a little easier. It's a little bit of a smaller market. We're still trying to crack through in those big areas. We do okay in Philly. We finally like opened for Aqueous in Brooklyn and stuff like that, and we've been doing okay. But nothing, nothing like here. It's just marvel. What what mile of music is created here is just really, really impressive. Yeah. I mean, it's like an, it's just like a whole new culture. It's a Midwest yeah. South Midwest South by Southwest to me, and it's just like we feel part of this music scene more than we really feel a part of any other one. I'll, I'll shout out to our Glens Falls friends, Wild Adriatic, uh, you know, uh, Jay Lee from uh, Paradisa and his new project, which I don't remember the name of. Sorry, dude. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we're, 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 we're a little bit Something part of, like, like, the Saratoga Springs, like, Lake George, like, Adirondack region, like, New York music scene that we've, like, made a lot of friends with up there. So there is, like, things in that nature, but we haven't really created that same type of scene that we found in other places like in Pennsylvania. There was for a little, but I just don't think it's the same anymore. Yeah. The times are changing, I guess. You guys have, you know, toured uh, quite a bit, right? Yeah. Is yeah. that something that kind of increases your getting along or is there some frustrations that tend to boil up during long van rides i just think we get more frustrated at home yeah only frustrated that we're not on tour and doing more and getting our brand out there yeah. more i think that's we do good when we're active and having more to do and yeah. like i don't know we just we're able to like fit into this weird routine together where we're just like all right everybody get up all right everybody take a shower all right everybody we're going to get some breakfast yeah. all right I, everybody split up for a little bit but we have to meet back here we, blah, we blah, fight blah. like siblings yeah like you know there's the sibling rivalry so thing it's going never, on it's never malicious yeah. but like we truly have have Sunday dinners together. We yeah. watch Eagles games together. Um, we practice religiously two days a week, at least. Um, at least. Uh, so and like forever. Like it's like we'd rather be with each other. Yeah, we it's, spend holidays we, together. Yeah, like go on vacation together. Still, like when we're, we're when we get home, it's like oh, let's all separate. We don't even do that. <laughs> we uh, everybody we all go camping at the same spot. Yeah. <laughs> like, like all right, I'm gonna go take a shower. I'll see you later. <laughs> Is anyone in the band married or have kids yet? I'm married. I just got married uh, in Congrats. October. Thank you. Um, none of us have kids yet. Oh. Uh, a little too career oriented for that at the time, and it'd be hard to you know, settle down and have a family with our hectic, crazy lifestyles. It's just, you know, it wouldn't be fair to the kids. So 
no kids in the future as far as the eye can see. I, I mean, you never know. I'm probably going to have kids at some yeah, point. Yeah, it's going to happen. But, you know. Does your wife ever want to go go along when you guys do these tours? No, she hates my band. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but she would hate all of us. No. Uh, except for me. I think she she's, called this morning. I think she's coming tomorrow. She called you to ask if I stole her sunglasses. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think, I think our family is actually coming to Mile this year. Like, I think a lot of our, like, girlfriends or um, wife... Or and my I, I know my parents are coming too. I'm pretty sure my brother's coming. So that's, Chestnut Grove is totally a family affair. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. That's awesome, and that's a testament yeah. again to what a great job job Mile does. Yeah, that yeah, the fans are bringing their bands. Love us. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. What like little kids? Yeah, little I, kids love us. It, it, my favorite thing that's ever happened is like the fact that parents come up to me all the time that like love our band and they're like, my kid's favorite song is Whiskey Hand. I'm like, that's <laughs> stupid, but all right. I mean, you know that song's about drinking and fighting, right? <laughs> and they're like, like, yeah, but the beat. Slaps. <laughs> so there's just five to eight year olds everywhere, just like getting singing down. whiskey hand, like getting down. I'm like, yep, future alcoholics. <laughs> this is the uh, the time you made it to the point in the show for band reaction, where we play a clip of a previous guest, and then we get your reaction. Oh boy. This band is called the Roving Scallywags, a Irish uh, punkish type band. Chris Deeds and Justin would love. Hell this. yeah! <laughs> Here we go. We'll play it, and then we'll get your reaction. Band reaction. Band reaction. And we we kind of put our foot down where we said, we'll cover a three-hour block. This whole cover band, we're gonna, you know, we want you to play, you know, three sets or four-hour night. It just gets old and redundant really fast. So basically, we pull, we'll play like at an hour. Hour 15, hour 20 minutes set, take a short break, and then come back and do a second set, and then we're done. It's the way to do it. I don't know why most bands don't. It's it's so nice. Or play with other bands. That was what was nice about playing at the Lyric Room when we came back was, you know, playing with uh, Smoke Free Home and Wasted Pretty and ourselves is, okay, we only have to worry about playing for an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. You know, the other bands take up that. I love nothing more than a multi-band bill. Mm -hmm. You get to hang out. You get to, you know, you just kind of wait. Wait for your turn, or mm-hmm. or you're the first one up. Yeah, you get to play, and then you get off the stage, and you're just like, okay, I can hang up, yeah, and enjoy no, the rest of the yeah. night, and the rest of the show. And your reaction? Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> yeah, that's 100%. like that's like the truest thing that's My, ever been said. I, I absolutely love the thing in the beginning where they're like, three three sets, three forty minute sets so in a three ridiculous. to four hour span. It's a dumb way to play too. Like playing a nobody we, wants to just to, nobody wants to watch that. We have to do something weird this summer. We're playing Rock the Dock Festival in Lake George, uh, New York, and I'm really excited for it. Like no knock on the like. Thank you so much. If anyone from this is listening to this, we're really psyched to play the fest. It's actually going to be great. We get to play right before Galactic, which is a famous band that I never heard of, <laughs> um, and. It should go well for us, but what we have to do is there's a main stage at the festival and all the main stage acts that are there that day, all the other acts are playing on that stage that day. And then for 30 minutes in between every main stage set, we have to play a 30-minute set. And four of them. And I'm like, what the hell? Which is only two hours. It's not that crazy. But how do you split that up? Like, how do you have a start and fit? Like, how do you um, – it's going to be a nightmare for it's me. It's going to be like a all, four to five And that makes me think of that. Like, that's switch. like – when you have to do it like that, it's like – you know, I, I get it for bar bands. I get the formula. I understand what it is for like, 
you know, you play your top 40 cover songs, you know, you do a bad version of Hot for Teacher, <laughs> and then, you know, everybody gets up and takes a break, and you all hang out and have some drinks, it's good for the bar, but, like, when you're, like, I don't know, I don't want to say this even in the wrong way, but, like, when you're trying to be more like a real band, or you're just trying to establish yourself, like, as an artist, show. and have a live show, mm-hmm. it's the worst way to set up a set list, yeah. like, it's just... You're like, well, what songs do you do? Well, how do you end? What's the finisher? Are you starting and closing each set? Or do you treat the first set as your opener, the middle as your lull, and then do you, like, do your closer stuff in the final set? Like, I don't – it gets confusing. So, spot on. Guys. What was the name <laughs> of that band? Uh, the Roving Scallywags. Roving Scallywags. From the, the Five Cities. <laughs> uh, we had a, a comment from um, – let's see here. We had a, a comment from Mark from uh, Appleton Beer Factory. He oh, said, nice shirt. Mark. Nice. Oh, thank you. I got this last night at Appleton Beer Factory. Uh, Austin Sterling, great show, by the way. And, you know, even better shirt. Mark, thank <laughs> it's you. a win for everyone. <laughs> I want to thank Mark for tuning in. I also want to thank Mark for all the excellent music he's booking at Appleton Beer Factory. That place has really <laughs> shout out to, to be one of the places to see music. And we'll quickly plug. I know this, this episode is going to be played uh, weeks from now, but I'll edit this a little bit out. You can catch Chestnut Grove tonight at Appleton Beer Factory. And you're, you're playing with Age of Fable? Age yes. of Fable. They were booked last minute. Uh, excited to see them. Don't yeah. know those guys. But like the last thing said during band reactions, uh, multi-band bills are awesome because you get to hang out with other people and chill out for a little bit while another band plays. So. You get to sample different things <laughs> and sure. not eat the same thing for the, yeah. <laughs> the whole set. Well, that's great. And tickets are available, I believe, um, for that yet. You can get them at the door I believe I know yeah, they're yeah, available yeah. in advance too. Yeah, it's not sold out yet. I know we've we've already sold a lot of tickets for it. I think about a hundred pre-sale is what they were saying. But uh, if you're listening now and you're thinking about going, get your tickets or just come on out and come right in the door tonight, and we'll see you there. Yeah, it's gonna be a party. Um, either I don't remember who mentioned it. Might have been D. Might have been James. I'm not sure. One of you mentioned that the new album that we haven't heard yet is kind of moving into a a dance direction. And by yeah. dance, do you mean like? program drums or just sort of no a... no no it has like all the drums are real on it we actually had a percussionist come in so it might sound like there's a lot of fake stuff on it but it's two it's my drum tracks and then jeff mann from consider the source um did all the percussion on it so far and that's all we have done we're actually we'll probably be done recording it in the next like month and a half and then we'll real quick get it on a cd and try and get it out we're trying to get it out before mile we don't know if it's going to happen it might be a little after fingers crossed but digitally there will be like a single or two out by mile so have um have you been playing those songs out? We are going to play three of those songs tonight. Very cool. Yeah, I think the EP is going to be called "Can't Stand the Music." I said that now live, so it's probably going to stick. But I, <laughs> can't we go back. This time we haven't changed our mind as much. We had like some serious direction. It's only a five-song EP. We'll probably follow it up with a record that sounds like similar to what we're doing right now, with probably some different songs on it. But uh, we this is we we kind of knew what we wanted this time. Like we had like an idea, we had like an image idea behind all of it, and like it kind of tied in with what we wanted the songs to sound like. And there was like a whole thing we were going for, which usually we were just like, no, we wrote a bunch of songs. Everything was the white album for us. We were like, yeah, here's just a hodgepodge of tunes that we wrote that don't make sense together on a record. <laughs> but we like them. <laughs> yeah. And you, you guys have put out such a mix of, I mean, you've really singles, EPs, LPs. It, uh, do, do you think EPs are going to be the way you're going to continue to release? I prefer making albums as, as much as they don't sell and people don't want them and you're probably better off just releasing singles and keeping people interested consistently i love the process of making an album i think it's a dying art um i don't think people value it in the same way that they used to yeah. but i'm a I've, i collect vinyl 
I'm like super into it. I'm I love the idea of getting like a big picture book basically that you can open up and like you get all these sleeves and old school vinyls and stuff like that. Like I just think like that adds to like the process and the art of it. And everybody's always saying like come up with these content things to sell and do things. I'm like, all right, we were. We we could sell a full LP yeah. with a bunch of packaged stuff in it for extra money and like people can buy something really cool. I feel like seeing the imagery that the band chooses to represent the sound that they're selling is also like a yeah. really, so, really and, interesting and like, part of it that's not around really much anymore. And just back to like the sound of an I think like I think I'm more interested in like with this EP since it's five songs like with a direction on it. Like we made albums before, but they're just a collection of songs on a record. I really want to like try to make an out like you know not obviously not this good like Dark Side of the Moon's like the greatest record of all time, but <laughs> just like there, the art of album making is like one of the coolest things in the world, and I don't think people focus on it as much anymore. Yeah, like like those, have it be conceptual and tell the singles are important and, and everything, but yeah. I just think those deep track cuts that like there's not as much of anymore and sometimes like they they're not as impressive on a record like sometimes it feels like a record's like an attempt of eight singles and you're like maybe one of them will get through and i just think like the idea of being like okay well we made these we know these are kind of the more pop songs and the rest of it is just art i made like here's art on a record that we made that we wanted to put out so i'm definitely more of an album person that's good to know and i mean as far as streaming goes what's your take on streaming uh, i mean <laughs> I, I think the I think that the internet is like the wild west. Like I'll, I'll say this as nicely as possible. Um, I just think it's very unregulated for better or for worse, and it's such a new frontier of how to do things. And I think that people, I think it's really awesome that independent people can rise to the top by themselves doing those things. I think the downside to it is if you're like me and you're into music because of music and you don't give a who about computer graphics or followers on your Facebook page or, or silly content or silly content yeah. on TikTok? Like I, I'm not, I'm not demeaning it. I think there's definitely a place in the world for it. It's obviously happening. So to completely ignore it would be irresponsible of us. So we understand like where the industry is going. I at the same time think that it again diminishes the opportunity that it has for some of the better artists or better bands out there and maybe i just feel this way because i'm jealous which i <laughs> understand that um but i think if you're not like a marketing major or like a computer science thing and you don't have something like that in your camp or in your band it's going to be twice as hard for your art to get out there where somebody who and I, again i'm not trying to like diss anybody personally or anything like that like some of these artists that have that are also great artists that just have these platforms and opportunities to do so but i don't think that the labels or the industries are really doing their due diligence anymore because of it. I think they just wait until a marketing major and an art student come out with one single together, know how to market it to the top right away, and they just sign those people. They're not actually sending out A&R reps to go find diamonds in the rough and these gems that are like like nirvana like music, would, musicians Nir, invested nirvana yeah. would never make it today. That's just my opinion. Like they'd have no chance. Those guys would just be hanging out in a dirty basement doing too much drugs. <laughs> and not and not paying any attention to the social media things that are going on. Like that personality has a harder time making it now, and I just don't think that's necessarily fair. Yeah, which life's not fair. So I'm just sitting here complaining. But well, I mean, the social media it does end up becoming 
gets in the way. I think it takes just as much time as like practicing does. If you want to, if not more, if not, yeah. like we have to take time after making like a bunch of music and just an EP. We'd rather just get right back in the studio, make yeah. an album, just spend time touring and focus on that part of our business. But we have to think about making our own merch because it's too expensive to hire out. We have to think about how we display ourselves on social media. And that takes so much time. Like I have to basically, there's so many things for everybody to do in this band. D and Zach at this point just run our social media. And we have to constantly remind each other that that's like as important as writing any of these songs, if not more, which is yeah. like why it's strange. Like it's like, okay, make one song, spend six years marketing the hell out of it. And then maybe you'll have a better chance. It's just like, it sets up for like a weird idea to music making. I it's think. it's, it's not the time that I want to invest. Like that's not the thing I want to invest my time in. I'd rather just come out with an album every year and just like tour it and then do it again. But instead, it's harder to do that because you're focused on how do we market these shows that are coming up, and then that takes time away from what you really want to be doing. And, you know, we, we do have help. We have a booking agent. We, we, we work with a publicist. Um, if there's any managers out there, we'd like one. <laughs> <laughs> oh. We've, uh, Mark said that the tickets are flying today, so that's oh, good sick. to hear. It's awesome. Um, Thank you, Appleton. Sarah Weiss, thanks for... Uh, Tuning in, and Jason Banks says pretty chill stuff. Uh, thanks for tuning in. <laughs> um, you guys have done some videos for the the last album. It's, it's some really good videos. Do you guys have somebody that does it for you, or are you a Eric, making them? Eric Campbell yep. and Matt McConnelly. Matt McConnelly, thank you. And Katie Harkins was out here with yep. them last year to do the newspaper hats video. Well, that's and we're we going to play that one. We filmed yeah. that. Mostly in Appleton, yeah. uh, a little bit of Chicago, because Eric stopped into his hometown to get other B-roll footage there on his way home. Um, we met those guys through a friend of mine, Phil Lean. They worked together at REI. They worked, I think I so. Like that's it. Yeah. And Eric, Matt, and their team of people are aspiring filmmakers that work. Probably twice as hard as our band even does. Oh, for sure. <laughs> um, they were like, they were on it. The I've whole never time been so Mile. impressed by somebody I've only known for six months yeah. and the amount of work they were willing to put in to for the little amount of money we gave them, and they really impressed me. And we're working on all our album artwork and our media content for this next EP directly with them. Like we were, we're not even coming out with this EP without like their input on things. Let's talk about uh, different places you've played. Have you had a, just a a city that you went to, it just turned out to be a, a nightmare. Oh, God. I mean, you've got w to have w stories w like that. W Wiley Ford, oh, West God. Virginia. Yeah, uh, we get, uh, this was back before we had a booking agent and I was booking all the gigs. Some of them were great. I booked a lot of great shows. Yeah, there were like really a lot of diamond in the rough. Some of them were really scary. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, the worst one ever was in Wiley Ford, West Virginia at... I don't remember the name of the place at all. They didn't really have a I don't name. think it had a name. It wasn't even supposed to legally be open. So when we got there, the bands were setting up, but the owner came up to me and goes, we didn't get our liquor license approved yet. So it's BYOB now. And I was like, oh, oh okay. Um, I, I think, is this a family kind of radio show? I'm not going to curse or anything. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can, as long as you don't curse. Then I'm not going to okay. curse. Yeah. Um, we think that the people who owned and slash ran the place. They made us some sloppy joes that I was afraid to eat. Um, they, they kept they kept going into a... They had a trailer. A trailer like that they kept going the into. And uh, all, uh, breaking bad vibes, you yeah. know? I just was like, I think yeah. they're 
doing they were doing a little more than smoking the devil's lettuce yes yes and we were like i so i think i still got 50 bucks from those people yeah. and got the heck out of there oh we left so <laughs> fast that was also the venue that this guy was sitting in a chair and this girl was just like dancing in front of him <laughs> and she was trying to get him up to dance and he clearly was either really inebriated no, and didn't, didn't want to dance he was he just didn't want to dance so he didn't move and she pulled him out of the chair and he just face planted and, and there took was like, it like a champ like, and there was like no one at that show yeah. and we had to drive down a before we even got to it we already knew it was going to be bad because we went down a dirt road that led in to west nowhere. virginia that led to an abandoned three abandoned houses that there was a truck there so someone may have lived there we immediately thought we were going to get shot and we had to turn around like in grass that we may have gotten stuck in which we didn't <laughs> we made it through uh, John yeah. had to drive through a giant. Floored it through a giant puddle. And then we had to back up between it because we couldn't get through that road because it was destroyed. Yeah, he like he like floored it through the puddle and then like got up to a hill and we were like, oh, we're about to crest the hill and be at the venue. Nope, nothing. <laughs> there was trees. You can't get past it. And one time we played at a really cool festival that has a similar story. Um, it was in Austin, PA, at the oh, Austin yeah, the Dam. Dam. And the fest is actually really awesome. We've played it a few times. We've had a ton of fun at it. But the very first time we got there, we took a wrong turn, and it let our GPS led us down a logging trail. So, and the logging trail kept getting thinner and thinner, and you're like on the edge. So it felt like you know, like what's that dangerous roads or ice road truckers or any of those things? It felt like we were on. Hundred It felt like we were the ice road trucker. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like a giant cliff, and you're like, don't open the door or yeah. breathe. I remember getting out and just like stomping. I didn't even drive anymore. I got out of the van. I was just upset. Like, <laughs> he's around. like i don't know how we're getting here and they're like you definitely took we could the wrong see way. we could like see the fest yeah. too so we thought we were like, going the right way it was really weird it was a little scary john made it though john's a pro driver <laughs> see i think th those stories are, are great like <laughs> we have too many of those we have a lot of great yeah. stories though like uh appleton uh erie pa playing the summit with wild adriatic like all sorts of things like that um Early days at the whiskey jar in West yeah, Virginia. Yeah, I was just about to say when we were in the Carolinas. Oh my God, the best breakfast food <laughs> oh, I've yeah. ever had. In the my tour life. wasn't so good. That was the uh, last tour I booked before we had a booking agent, and we did a southern run. We were in like South Carolina, North Carolina, a little bit of Virginia, and we blew the whole budget on biscuits and gravy. <laughs> yeah, it was so worth it. <laughs> when you're doing those runs, are you staying in hotels? Or are you finding like? People a little you know bit of both. A little bit of both. If we if we've never been there, we got to stay in hotels. Um, it's awesome how fast you do find people though. Like we just played in Grand Rapids, and I think her name's Ellie. Uh, she took pictures for us there, and she knows Ian and knows about Mile and Music and everything. So right away she's like, if you're ever rolling through Grand Rapids again, like you can crash at my place. So it's just like super awesome how like that world music community just like as soon as you roll in and your band doesn't stink completely you kind of do get some good yeah. perks right i feel away. like they understand like your situation and they're like you know it's not easy doing what you do so like we're gonna help out as you, much you as just we drove can. 900 yeah. miles played for 18 people <laughs> <laughs> casey williams thanks for tuning in and bernadette uh, schiller says hey, hi james casey. what's up casey casey's one of our best friends from yeah. back home we had a uh i like bouldering <laughs> bob minter says we're the Oh, Nighters still playing Erie? One, one Nighters? I don't, sorry, Bob. I'm not quite sure how to say that. Um, yeah, so I took the number off because nobody was calling in. So uh, you guys... I was hoping no somebody had some guts, but nah, it's, all right. it's still not too late. We're intimidating. Yeah, I guess. Is there something when you guys are playing uh, live that maybe throws you off your game a little bit? 
I mean, you mentioned like uh, some drunk people no. at some shows. I've had a drunk lady literally in my face, like right here, and we were just. I can get distracted. I have going. bad ADHD. I I have to like not look at. Uh, like the best shows are when like the lights are big enough and I actually can't really see you the crowd see anybody, very well. Yeah. It's like better for me because I, I will notice like weird things happening. I, I get distracted sometimes by like I can like a couple is fighting <laughs> off to the left yeah. and you can see that they're like not getting along right now. Or you're like that guy's being weird and I get distracted by that. Um, the other thing that I, I have a pet peeve at shows. If anybody's listening right now, <laughs> if if you have a shaker. And you go to a show with a shaker, oh, or you're a person you at a show yeah. with a tambourine. Don't. You're the worst person don't. ever. Just don't. <laughs> like, yeah. Don't do that. Like, it, I'm playing drums and you don't know how to, and it's messing me up. Yeah. <laughs> so. uh, Brooke Steele says she's at D's number one fan. Oh, nice. And uh, let's see, That's Bernadette Schiller uh, said hi, that uh, Funky Fret says hi to two of our favorite people. Oh, oh awesome. That's yeah. where James gives drum I give drum lessons, lessons yeah. Um, oh, it's drum lessons. Yeah, I'm molding seven young children into terrible drummers. <laughs> <laughs> How inspiring. When, when did you start giving drum lessons? Um, I think it's almost a year now. I'm yeah. not, I don't even really remember. It it's hasn't been that close. long. I, yeah. think, I think I started right before my wedding, kind of. Yeah. So, like, it's not a full year, only a handful of months. Um, I love it. I think it's a lot of fun. I enjoy watching all of my students get better every day. It's and been it, really good for him. It's been great for me. I'm a much better drummer now because of it. Working on the things I constantly overlooked and having to teach new drummers these things, that I, I kind of feel like a completely different drummer ever since starting to give drum lessons. So, so it's kind of affecting your personal style. I think I'm also taking drum lessons the entire time I'm doing this <laughs> Yeah, somehow. basically. Um, no, at this point I'm like, I don't know what we were doing before, but yeah, I like, think it's in, finally in, working. In the past six months, I've like pretty much taught myself how to read sheet music. I didn't, I, I knew how to before, but I just never did it. I never really sight read, so I didn't have like the practice on that. And I have to write out sheet music for my students all the time and stuff like that. So it's really, really helped grow like my understanding of what I'm even doing. <laughs> That's that's pretty cool. And yeah, it is. We were kind of talking about drum lessons and stuff earlier. If do you have any advice for younger people or, or you know parents that are thinking about having their kids take lessons for an instrument? Oh, they should. They I just feel like should. music is important to everyone. This might be the most cliche advice ever. I think Dave Grohl has a whole documentary I've never watched about it called Play, and it truly like I've never even seen it, but I, I've been told like what it's about and stuff and. I think the best advice you could give somebody that wants to play music or even is just getting into it at all, just literally just play. Like play along to things poorly. Uh, try your best to find somebody else your age or around you that all, if you have siblings that are also playing, immediately set up and make, write bad songs together. Like yeah. learn how to play easy covers and do it badly. Like even <laughs> if you can only play the intro of a song a thousand times, I highly suggest doing it. I'm in a band today and making no money doing <laughs> um, But man, we're having a good man, time. Man, we're having a good time. And, you know, I'm in a band today, and a lot of people probably think we're okay at it, and it's literally just a product of starting with John, who is still in a band with me, and playing Holiday, but only the first minute clip because I didn't know how to play the rest of it. So I just like the intro to Iron Man to death. Like, you know what I mean? So, like, if you're out there doing that, like, just keep on doing that and, like, just believe that you can do it, and you kind of can – just manifest your own life and music if you kind of just really believe that that's what you want to do. What's uh, what's next for Chestnut Grove be, after the, the, the next Grammys, EP comes out? Oh, no. <laughs> Undeniably so. Um, 
No, we're now, at Ardmore Music Hall actually next Saturday. Yeah. June um, 4th. Yeah. Opening for Sister Hazel. Yeah. And uh, we have a lot of big stuff going on this summer. We're playing an Exponential Music Fest uh, in Philly, which is the best lineup and bill we've ever been a part of, other than a mile event. And. Um, we hope that this EP continues to push our success, like in the Philly area, get us a little more radio attention. And the biggest plan is to just have our 2023. We hope to have in 2020, we had the biggest tour we had ever booked and we had to cancel it. And then in 2021, we had to cancel it again. And in 2022, we were able to get back out there and kind of book the tour we were hoping to do. And a lot of the shows we wanted, we did get, but it's been hard to to solidify all the dates and get everything together in such like short time when everybody was like, oh, it's really open now. Like, let's actually book things. Being a smaller band, you're kind of like on hold sevens while Beck gets all the hold ones. Yeah, you're and still getting table scraps. Kind so, of. you know, it's been a tough comeback year, but like we're you keeping our heads up and hanging strong for it. And we're going to try to be, book the biggest tour we've ever done in 2023 and hopefully follow that up with an album that kind of comes along with the EP that we're coming out with. How long does Chestnut Grove go before you hang up your hats? 70s, yeah. 80s? Yeah, I think that's the yeah, plan. I don't think there's um, ever going to be an end. <laughs> even if we never tour as big as the Rolling Stones, I'm going to try and tour longer. I like so. it. I like that too. Aaron Steele, thanks for tuning in. She can't wait for the Ardmore show. Oh, oh cool. We thanks. can't wait either. We're so excited. Um, thank you for Man, that for Steel family. Really, really <laughs> popping in today. Thanks, Brooke. Thanks, Aaron. You guys are the best. Thanks for doing this. Again, It's um, I know you guys had you know limited amount of time here in appleton but no, it's great good. to we're the more to we here. get to do the better i would have <laughs> came in yesterday but i didn't know until we were i finished my uh, frisbee golf round <laughs> and was like oh oh i'm sorry that's all right me and zach were busy trying on assless chaps so. <laughs> to each their own i guess what's uh what's the best way for people to find chestnut grove if they have not heard of the band yet and want to find spotify chestnutgrove.band or did you guys change that yet we are gonna have a new website we're gonna have new merch up soon so be on the lookout for that um you can find us on facebook instagram and we've run all of them ourselves so if you ever want to just say hi to us yeah. or whatever just reach out to chestnut grove on any of the platforms you can find us and we'll be happy to get in touch with you we're full of endless silliness uh mark thanks again for booking awesome bands in the fox cities yes. thanks, ian mark. and jess thank you and thank you everybody uh bob Inter, thank you for this Chestnut Grove, thank you, James D, for joining thanks, us on Andy. Fox Cities Core. Happy to be here. Yeah, Code thanks for Radio. Us. Good luck tonight. Thank you. Rock the house.